Welcome to Medical Matters Weekly with Dr. Trey Dobson, presented by Southwestern Vermont Healthcare and Catamount Access Television. Today is October 22nd, and we have a live show today. I'm Trey Dobson, Chief Medical Officer at Southwestern Vermont Medical Center and an emergency medicine physician with Dartmouth Health. And this is Medical Matters Weekly, a show about the aspects of healthcare that matter to you most. It's almost Halloween, and I am so sorry to say I forgot this morning about the show and almost Halloween. I should have dressed up. Uh, I should have asked my guest to dress up, but we did not do that today. Uh, my guest is Dr. Matt Staniszewski. He is a rheumatologist right here in southwestern Vermont healthcare in Bennington, works for Dartmouth Health, and has been with us. How long have you been with us, Matt? Six, five years, six years? Uh, it's actually been seven. This is my seventh year. Seventh wow. year. Yeah. Dr. Staniszewski earned his medical degree from the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine, completed a fellowship in rheumatology, which is the subject of our uh, discussion today, at Roger Williams Medical Center, Rhode Island, and he's a fellow of the American College of Rheumatology. So where are you joining us from right now, Matt? Uh, from my uh, from my office here on campus. <laughs> Great. In Bennington. This is in fantastic. Many of our recent guests have been outside of the state, and it is so great to have you here with us. So before we get into rheumatology and sort of uh, what that what that's about and what um, illnesses you treat and how you treat them, I just want to learn a little bit about you personally. Of course, I know, uh, but I'm going to share that with the audience. Tell us a little bit about where you're from, where you grew up, and then how you got into medicine in the first place. Sure. Uh, so I'm originally from uh, South uh Eastern Pennsylvania, uh, just outside of Philadelphia, a town called uh, Downingtown, um, and I you know, grew up grew up there. I uh, spent uh, my college career down there. After high school, I went to Temple University, stayed in the city, and then uh, afterwards, uh, after a year of working um, in uh, the fields, uh, ended up uh, pursuing medical school in that uh, in that city as well. And uh, uh, it's uh, as far as, you know, how did I think about getting into medicine? It was kind of an interesting story. I, uh, I had some medical issues as a child and I didn't uh, handle them very well. And I developed this real fear of hospitals and actually blood and, and you know, I just, I just couldn't handle it. Uh, and, and at some point in high school, I said, you know, I really think this is interesting. I don't know if I can, I don't know if I'm going to be able to jump this hurdle. I might as well immerse myself in it. So uh, I found out that there was a class that they were offering through the Votech that allowed me two days a week to go and uh, uh, rotate with some physicians at the local hospital. And uh, that turned out to be a kind of a life-changing experience for me. And uh Afterwards, I uh, still had a lot of issues with my uh, former fears, and uh, I just started to immerse myself and got a job in, in the ER. And uh, real quick, I got over my fears, um, interestingly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the rest is history. I pursued pre-medical uh, studies and actually a physical anthropology degree at uh, at Temple University and then uh, medical school thereafter. So. That is a really interesting story. In fact, I haven't heard that one in a while. In fact, I may have only heard um, a background like that once or twice. You know, most people 
uh, gravitate towards medicine because it's either in their family or they have exposure uh, and they find it interesting. And yours was almost the opposite. You recognized a, a fear and said you're going to take it head on. And wow, you're you're a practicing physician, which is remarkable. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh. It, it was it was a pretty strong there was a pretty strong fears too so I, I'm just as surprised as you. <laughs> so how did you then uh, choose the specialty of rheumatology? So just like most uh, I think medical students, uh, when you're in medical school, you you kind of like like everything uh, for a little bit until you don't, and the folks that. Uh, that like a little bit of everything might gravitate towards uh, doing an internal medicine residency, which is what I, which is what I did. And um, it was about a year, year and a half into my, my uh, residency there that I had the opportunity to, to have a few cases that were directly involved with rheumatology and got to spend some time with some mentors and really uh, uh, turned me on to the subjects uh, because it really encompassed a lot of different specialties altogether. Um, and also uh, was, uh, I, I, I kind of naturally gravitated towards uh, uh, enjoying treating musculoskeletal conditions anyway. Uh, and it was, it was just, uh, turned out to be a perfect fit. You know, for those in the audience that, um, to clarify, I know many people know this, but as medical specialties uh, like uh, rheumatology that Dr. Staniszewski is in, also cardiology, gastroenterology, they all go through a three-year, at least three-year residency in internal medicine and then go into their, their specialty fellowship. Uh, so uh, Dr. Staniszewski would have done a three-year internal medicine residency followed by a two to three year uh, fellowship in rheumatology. So, so describe, you mentioned musculoskeletal, describe to us uh, what rheumatology is for, for folks that are unfamiliar with the term. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, rheumatology is, is kind of a black box. Uh, folks really uh, hear the name and say, mm, you know, what is that? I no, no clue at all. So, so what this is, is the study study of inflammatory diseases that affects the joints, uh, the muscles, the bones, the connective tissue, uh, as well as the internal organs, uh, and, uh, and how that uh, interacts with, the, uh, with the, the body's immune response. Uh, so, so we deal with disorders that uh, may affect uh, uh, anywhere from just the, just the joints to uh, the lungs, the uh, glands, the uh, the gastro uh, the gastro tract, um, and uh, and the kidneys, and we work uh, pretty closely with with other specialists uh, in in those fields to come up with uh, uh, a quality pa uh, plan uh, for patient care. So when you know, I think most people recognize what the immune system is, at least in general, and, and even what an autoimmune uh, dysfunction uh, might be, where, where the body's uh, immune system, including the cells, are overactive and start uh, not only 
uh, attacking what they're supposed to, but uh, doing damage to things they're not supposed to. And there are many diseases I know that you treat, and we're going to ask that question in a minute. But can you just give us an overview? You may want to pick uh, lupus, anything you want to pick, uh, uh, and rheumatoid arthritis, and just sort of walk us through the basic science, not not in too much detail, because you'll overwhelm uh, folks like myself sure. uh, and others. Sure. So uh, I'm I'm a I, I'm a simple person. I have to make things simple for myself to understand them. So um, how I usually under, uh, explain this is uh, we have a condition, let's, let's say it's rheumatoid arthritis and um, uh, someone may have an underlying set of genetics that may place them at risk for developing this at some point during their lifetime. Now, uh, nobody's, you know, I'm not saying everybody's genetics are the same that, that, that develop rheumatoid arthritis, but they may share a specific set, uh, of, of, of genes that may just sit there and wait. Okay. And they're, they're kind of primed and waiting and they may be turned on. They may never be turned on. Some folks who have these uh, set, these set of, of, of make, this, this, this kind of genetic makeup may go their entire lives without developing any kind of inflammatory condition. Um, but it, the way, I, the way I, uh, I usually describe is that they sit there and they wait, and then something in the environments, uh, such as an allergen or let's say a bacteria or a virus, or it could be a very stressful reaction, something that really sparks the immune system to come alive. Okay. And that is the tipping point for some of these genes to start to turn on. And once they turn on, they just don't want to turn off. And sometimes they do turn off, but sometimes they don't. And when they don't, conditions like rheumatoid arthritis can start to flourish. And when they start to come on, they start to become more of a chronic condition that does, does not want to go away. So our focus there is to try to uh, uh, settle down the inflammatory process the best we can, um, especially when it turns into be, being more of a chronic, chronic process. So these are immune cells that are in a sense sort of attacking the linings of, of the joint? And, um, and, and is that how you would describe just basically uh, rheumatoid arthritis? Essentially, yes. I mean, you know, we have, we have uh, the, the innate immune system, which is kind of our uh, immune system that, uh, that is kind of pre-programmed that we're, that we're born with. And then we have our adaptive immune system, which is, is the, uh, are the cells that create antibodies. Uh, and and uh, react to what we've been exposed to during our lifetime. Um, kind of like a virus, when you get a virus, you have cells that create antibodies. So the next time you see that virus, your body sees that virus, it's easier to fight off. But now we're dealing with these same cells that are creating antibodies uh, that are, that are uh, creating them against your own tissues. And, uh, and, and, that, and that can be anywhere from the joints to linings of other uh, of, of other uh, organs in the body, uh, and that's why we see uh, sometimes even in rheumatoid arthritis, it's not so simple to say it's just the linings of the joint. Mm -hmm. 
because we do know that other organ systems can be involved as well. And, uh, and uh, it's, it's, it's uh, more of a systemic process than just saying that it's involved in the joint. And I think that you, you're right on there in, in bringing up the, the joint. I think a lot of uh, folks, uh, just by their experience, think of a rheumatologist as dealing with osteoarthritis and then maybe rheumatoid arthritis, but don't realize the breadth of, of other organs that can be involved. Tell us one more about one more condition before we go into the treatments. Uh, for example, you see uh, lupus, you see other autoimmune type disorders. Yeah, correct. So uh, lupus uh, is is a multi system disorder uh, that 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 is uh, uh, is uh, I, I I still I still when it, when it comes down to when I explain that type of condition, it's it, it always comes down to the to the to the basic, um, uh, the basic uh, uh, notion that that there's a certain set of there's a certain set of uh, genes that are underlying this, and something is there to turn it on. And again, once it turns on, and when it comes up, when it comes to lupus, uh, it may be much. There may be maybe many more systems involved than just than just the joint. Um, let's say the kidneys, uh, the lungs, the skin, uh, uh, and and when it when it does when it does occur, uh, it can be quite uh, it can be quite profound. Uh, so these are these are these are conditions that that you really want to uh, you really want to uh, start treatment early before they uh, cause any kind of long lasting uh, damage to the tissues. So what we can move, you talk about starting treatments. Um, I know that treatments have certainly uh, progressed starting about 25 years ago. Uh, before that, there wasn't a lot that could be done except steroids. You were almost like a dermatologist here, take some steroids. Uh, but that's not the case today. So why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the treatments? Sure, sure. We, we, we live in a very, very exciting time, uh, not only for rheumatology, but for other specialties as well. Um, and this, this really uh, is, is just uh, every, every, uh, you know, every month that goes by, there's, there are new studies coming, back, coming out about um, uh, proteins and molecules that are being augmented and, 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 and learned about more so that we can craft specific medications targeting the very, at the very, the very smallest levels, uh, 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 we're targeting these molecules that if you take away one of these molecules or you block them, okay, the inflammation just never has a chance to occur. Or if it's already occurring, it, the inflammation just kind of falls on, falls on itself. And it's, it's very, very interesting time. Um, uh, the, I think that these, this is just kind of the tip of the iceberg, what we're seeing over the last 25 years. And um, really, you're, you're, you're correct. You know, the treatment for, for rheumatoid arthritis uh, really was... Uh, somewhat they reached reached kind of a stagnation through into the 90s um, where we had a few things that really worked but for the folks that they didn't work in we had nothing else and now uh, we have very uh, targeted and focused therapies that we 
uh, and, and many more options uh, so that folks that may have been told in the past, you know, where we would have said, listen, you know, we don't have anything else. We're going to do our best, but these are the medicines we have. Now we have many more options and we see much less people with disability now than we did. And are, are most of these uh, treatment options monoclonal antibodies? Are there other uh, treatments that are on the horizon? No, I think it's it's uh, it's it's more than that. It's it's combinations, and we're, we're still. It's not like we. It's not like we have abandoned our older therapies. Mm -hmm. Okay, those therapies still work well for a ma sometimes a majority of the population, uh, and and which is why we really a lot of times we'll we'll start with those, um, and but it's for for but it's for the people who who those therapies don't work in, okay, uh, that, that the more advanced uh, and newer therapies are, 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 uh, are very helpful. And, you know, it's not, it, it's, it's, it's not just monoclonal antibodies. We have receptin, we, we have, uh, we have, uh, we're finding different ways in which we can uh, target these small parts of the immune system. Okay, uh, if we just target that one spot, then the like the like I said, the inflammation process just never never has a chance to occur. Um, and the study the study of this this uh, uh, these immune processes has has gotten so so uh, in depth and more complicated over the years, let's just say, uh, that it's difficult to capture in, 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 in sitting here talking to you, but it's, uh, it's certainly exciting. I mentioned earlier dermatology. I'll just point out for the audience that Dr. Staniszewski, rheumatologist, accepts patients here at SVMC and works very closely. It's interesting the overlap that these uh, inflammatory disorders can have with dermatology, for example, and Dr. Alicia Ellis, uh, even infectious disease with Dr. Marie George, uh, gastroenterology with Dr. David Furman and others, uh, that you almost have to align your treatments together. I know patients may see uh, two specialists at once. How do you communicate uh, a treatment plan when you have more than one specialist involved? Well, I think it's just uh, taking the, the multidisciplinary approach, but I'm, I'm old fashioned. So uh, uh, the, the one-on-one -on -one collaboration with, with these, uh, these other specialists is, is extremely important. Having the conversation and if it's not, if it's more, if it's, it's, if it's more than, more than just me and somebody else, then we get all three of our heads together or four of our heads together. And, and, and the nice thing about having a, an institution like ours is uh, that it's, it's extremely easy for us to communicate. Um, and, and another nice thing is that uh, with our, our collaboration with, uh, with Dartmouth has been, very, uh, uh, has been very useful as well um, as, as we, we work on uh, we work on cases uh, together and, and the, the communication has really been seamless um, uh, for, most, for most of us. Yeah, I, I'll also say uh, echoing that, you know, all of those physicians I just mentioned uh, are, are excellent. And then the relationship uh, with not only Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center, but other physicians in our entire Dartmouth health system. It's really important because 
frankly, you know, physicians pretty much think alike around the country, but when you go to different areas and there's not familiarity, that communication is is not perfect. Sometimes balls can get dropped, and that's why it's important to advocate for yourself, but also uh, make sure you're telling your doctor uh, everyone else you're seeing and make sure they're in collaboration. And that's much easier to do if you're in one one single system uh, when possible. Tell us, uh, do you have uh, some rarer conditions that you don't see often, but are interesting that you find uh, in your practice? Yeah, so uh, uh, most of what I see is uh, is, 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 is more uh, what we call uh, 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 well, I guess more, more, well, most of what I see is going to be more common conditions, but occasionally I do see uh, uh, a case that, that, that might maybe, maybe you've only, you know, kind of read about and, uh, and, 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 and it, those are, those are challenging, but uh, very, uh, very rewarding as well. Uh, so, so this would be, you know, a condition like Kogan syndrome, okay, or, an autoimmune eye and ear syndrome, or uh, uh, a, 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 an auto-inflammatory syndrome that that uh, that are that are conditions that are that are just very uh, very very rare. Uh, unless unless you see unless you see uh, uh, unless you're in a, a patient population that has uh, uh, that. That, that lends itself to to those conditions occurring more frequently, and and they may be more seen in in, in uh, inner city practices uh, more than rural practices. But uh, but we still see them, and it's uh, it's it's very uh, it, it makes it makes our, my specialty uh, uh, just all that more interesting. Uh, but again, it can be challenging as well. So. Yeah. Uh, what are you looking forward to? Let me start with uh, the personal question. I, I didn't even get a chance to ask you what you do outside of medicine. So I'll do that now and ask you what you're looking forward to personally over the next one to two years. Sure. So um, I, uh, I am an avid outdoor enthusiast, uh, and so is my wife. So uh, she always keeps me on my toes. And um, so we enjoy camping, uh, hiking, or skiing in the winter, kayaking during the summer. Um, we are, uh, uh, and, our, and our, our two kids are keeping us busy every single day of our lives, of course. So uh, we're, we're, quite, we're quite busy uh, uh, outside of the office here. And um, uh, as far as, uh, you know, look, looking forward, um, you know, as far as, uh, you know, personally, you know, just watching my family grow has been, you know, one of the joys of my lifetime. Um, we really, uh, it's, 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 it's just, uh, fascinating. And, and, you know, with the, with the recent pandemic, um, it has been, uh, it, it, well, let's just say you, sometimes it's, it's easy to lose sight of those things sometimes, but you really come around full circle when you, uh, when you have, uh, uh, these uh, these things happen in your life uh, that that may that may take away uh, from you know from your uh, from your livelihood. So uh, in the next few years, uh, you know, I'll be looking forward to um, uh, you know serving my community here at SVMC, um, you know, watching my family grow, and uh, you know, I I'm, I'm 
I, I'm always reading. I, I love I love to uh, learn new skills, uh, and uh, I, I will be taking on. I'm sure I'll be taking on more projects uh, that, that take me outside of my comfort limit. And more, more recently, I've been trying to become more comfortable with working on cars and seeing how all that works out instead of the, instead of the body. But <laughs> you know, so um, so that's what I've been focusing on in my free time. That's fantastic. I, I should have pointed out in the very beginning, and I'll just do it now, that Dr. Staniszewski is also the chair of internal medicine at SVMC and the vice president of the medical staff, which means he will assume medical staff presidency here in about a year and eight months or something, if I'm counting that <laughs> correctly. Thank you so much for joining us today on, on no, the thank show. Thank you very much. I'll also thank Mike Cutler from CAT TV, Ray Smith from Southwestern Vermont Healthcare, and Ashley Jowett from Southwestern Vermont Healthcare. I'm Trey Dobson. Go out and find joy in everything you do, even in the face of adversity, and we will see you again next week.